We're on the road with Mickey, we're gonna have some fun. Regardless of the rain or sun, our trip has just begun. So buckle up, let's go, we're about to start the show. And maybe if you like us, you'll see where else we'll go. Hi everybody, I'm Sophie, he's Mike, and she's Brenda, and welcome to On the Road with Mickey. If you're returning for another adventure with us, welcome back. We are so glad you have returned safely. And if this is your first episode with us and you're new here, welcome. It's so nice to meet you, and I'm going to show you the reins today. First up, we have our cheddar from the Big Cheese, which is basically our Disney news snippets. And then after that, we have our feature topic, which is what we talk about for most of the episode. And then after that, we have our This Day in Disney History, brought to you by me. And after that is our game of Who's Who. And that is brought to you by Mike, my dad. A oh, fair warning, I'm almost never wrong when it comes to this game. I almost always win it. And then after that... Brenda will be giving us a quote from the big man himself, Walt Disney, and it's just going to be amazing. So buckle up, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the car at all times, make sure you're safe, fasten your seatbelts, all that good stuff, and we will see you on the road. It's time to get going. Let's go! Hey everyone, I'm Mike, and she's Sophie. And she's Brenda. Hi, everyone. And he's Grogu. And we're on the road with Mickey. This is season two, episode 29 for July 19th, 2021. And our feature topic this week is our favorite Disney ride backstories. And this is a piggyback from last week when we talked about our pre-shows that we decided this made a great segue into the backstories because you know um when it comes to disney a ride's a ride but at disney you know at any theme park a ride is just a ride but at disney it's the backstory that really makes the ride for sure and that's really what sets disney's rides apart from everything else and so so we thought it'd be fun to go over our favorites and of course we always start with our cheddar from the big cheese and Brenda, I've got you down first. You want to start us off? Yes, and without anybody knowing it, tonight's news stories are brought to you by Hershey. Because I'm going to be eating one in a second while we're talking. <laughs> Hello, Hershey bars. All right, rock on. Well, dang it. Now I want to go get some like, <laughs> the same as cookies to sponsor me. And I'm drinking water. Good job, Mike. You know what? No. You know, it's I'm like my yearly quota. It's my time for one yearly bottle of water, you know, so. That's good. You got to drink that water, especially after Hershey, because it makes you thirsty. Oh, doesn't it, And though? I'm being sponsored by McDonald's Strawberry Banana Smoothie. Now, that <laughs> is just wrong. <laughs> well, on to the real news. Disney has recently released information on the holiday season at Walt Disney World. Starting November 8th on select nights will be Disney's very merriest after hours party. And this is going to take the place of Mickey's very merry Christmas party. 
Sunset Seasons Greetings is also returning to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yay! Yay! And Santa will be bringing some North Pole cheer to a motorcade down Hollywood Boulevard as well. Also, Disney's Animal Kingdom is going to have festive seasonal decor and festive Disney character flotillas sailing down Discovery River to the sounds of joyful songs of the season. There will also be a holiday edition of the Tree of Life Awakenings. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. nice. And other holiday events include the Epcot International Festival of the Holidays, which is Yay. going to run from November 26th through December 30th. Right now, though, we don't have any word on whether or not Candlelight Processional will be part of the festival. I hope so. I hope so, too. And what do you think, Brenda? Yay or nay? I hope so. I hope so. They're probably working on feverishly trying to get narrators. And, you know, this it's going to be maybe harder this year to get narrators to commit. But I don't think so. I think everything's going to move on up and we're going to be good. Okay, good. And that takes us to Sophie, who has one other item. One final item for the holidays this year regarding the Disney resorts. From the Disney Parks blog, our Disney Resort hotels will be decked for the holidays with iconic trees and other seasonal touches. And a guest favorite will return this year as select gingerbread displays will once again be part of our holiday season. Yay! We're all excited about that. Yes. And, you know, we missed seeing Yay. the one at the Grand Floridian last oh, year because yeah. it wasn't there. So we're it certainly hopeful that it's there. I imagine it would be. I, don't I know think it it's going to be there. Be, so. And for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, which if you don't have an idea of what we're talking about, shame on you. Have you not been watching? Well... <laughs> They may not have visited during the holidays. Last year, I was at the Yacht Club, and there were no Christmas decorations in the lobby for the first time ever. Well, yeah, but it's still sad. It was. Do you have a picture of the gingerbread house, Sophie? Yeah, I'm looking for one right now. Hang on, open image in a new tab. There we go. Okay, come on. Share, share, and share like sharing is caring. Look at that, people. See it? That is so cool. So beautiful. It is a huge gingerbread house, and there are actually people inside of it. That's right, because there's a store inside of it where you can buy gingerbread things. Hmm? Yes. I bought a giant solid chocolate snowman. Oh, God, that sounds really good. Delicious. And it lasted me like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Anyway, that that finishes up our cheddar from the big cheese. So let's move on to our feature topic. Just remember, check out the show notes for the ways you can connect to our Facebook and YouTube and our group and Instagram and our email and our phone number. Okay. Awesome. So our feature topic is our favorite Disney ride backstories. And like I said, when it comes to Disney, what makes a ride a Disney ride is the backstory. So this list is our favorite Disney backstories that we really enjoy 
um, for for countless reasons. Yeah, because Disney's and, the best. Yeah, and we are going to go round table, and we each have a group that we wanted to talk about. And Sophie, you're starting us off, kiddo. Yay! All right. Well, I'm going out of order in the way that it's listed in the show notes because I have them all ranked from how hyped I am to share these with oh, you. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Overachiever. Are you yeah. sharing your most hyped or your least hyped? Least hyped right now. Oh. Most hype is the best, so save the best for last. Okay, gotcha. And my least hyped right now is actually one of the rides that I really, really enjoy, especially in the hot weather like this. And that is Splash Mountain. Now, I know that Splash Mountain is very controversial. And they are retheming it soon, which is one of the reasons why I'm putting it as my least hyped ride, just because it's going to be changing from its story will be changing. The ride itself will not be changing very much, but it's going to be rethemed to the Princess and the Frog. And we don't know what the name of that ride will be yet, but as it stands, Splash Mountain is going to be changed. Yeah. Now, the reason that it's going to be changed is because of the story that it was based off of. And that story comes from the movie The Song of the South. Now, that is a very highly controversial movie. It was banned, actually. You can't see it in very many places. But I do think that some of the parts of the story of the movie, there were stories there and they held good lessons to be learned. Most of which was be happy with what you have. And always try to find a smile in a bad situation. Mm -hmm. And those are the two things two themes that we see a lot in Splash Mountain, mainly in the laughing place and the fact that Br'er Rabbit in the ride, he actually goes away from his home looking for something else. Only after he meets up with Br'er Fox and almost gets killed, he goes right back to his home where it's safe and he's happy there because he's learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. Yep, he learned the Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz lesson, didn't he? Yeah, there is no, no place, place like, like home. home. That's for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. Yep. That's so that's great. my yeah, that's my lore for Splash Mountain, and it's the same in the Disneyland ride as well. Yeah. So that's that. Great job, Sophie. Thank you, you know what, Sophie? I, I applaud you for tackling that one. Me too. Because that's a tough one to talk about. It is. But even though it's changing, now we have a historical record that'll be on YouTube and in our podcast. So anytime anyone wants to remember what it was like after it's changed, they can listen, you know? Yes. That's so. right. Great job, Sophie. Good job, Thank honey. Thank you. And I actually, as much as I love the original Splash Mountain, just because of tradition and all that stuff, and because it doesn't have any of the, um, well, themes that made the movie it was based off so controversial and need to be banned, 
I'm very excited to see what they do with the princess and the frog theming that it will be taking on later in the future. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you could make the argument, even if the even if the movie wasn't controversial, you could make the argument that it was time for an update. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Time so. for Tiana to have her own ride. Yeah. Yep. She's a princess. She deserves yep. this. Yeah. 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 All right, Brenda, you're oh. you're up. Well, I did you... not order mine um, like Sophie did. I just I'm just starting with the first one in the list. Okay. So that one is happens to be my favorite ride of all time. So maybe <laughs> it is ordered. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is an order. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Tower of Terror. In case anyone listening did not know, um, the Tower <laughs> of Terror is the bomb. It's fantastico. And it is based on a backstory that is about the Hollywood Tower Hotel. It is a 12-story tower built within the view of the famous Hollywood sign in Hollywood Hills. It opened in 1928 and became a star in its own right, a beacon for the show business elite, which you hear when you go into the ride. The top floor housed a first-class restaurant and dance hall, the Tip Top Lounge. Oh. So, in in the 1930, in actually in 1939, the main elevators were out of order. Five people with very different backgrounds boarded a maintenance elevator in the tip to on the way to the Tip Top Club, bound for the lower floors. Sally Shine was a child star before Shirley Temple graced the movie scene with more than 20 short films to her name. Emmeline Partridge was Sally's nanny. She was very protective of her, keeping fans at bay. Caroline Crossan was a glamorous aspiring actress, and Gilbert London was one of her many male ad admirers. The fifth and final unlucky passenger was Dewey Todd Jr., although his father, Dewey Todd Sr., had built the Hollywood Tower Hotel, the junior Dewey worked as a bellhop, perhaps to work his way up in his father's business. At some time during the short ride, lightning hit the hotel just where the elevator shaft was located, causing the elevator to plunge down uncontrollably. All the occupants of the elevator were killed on impact. Hotel management removed the bodies in secret to avoid the prying eyes of the reporters, and Dewey Todd Sr. immediately closed the doors of the hotel. It said that the ghosts of all five passengers still haunt the property to this day. I've seen them. I have too. I got a picture of them. <coughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's actually a really funny story. It's like a really, really, really funny story. Okay, so what happened was it was my first time in the Tower of Terror. And I took my parents with me. And my dad, he had his Probably camera around his neck. a good thing because you were neck. like seven. So well, thanks yeah. for taking us. Yeah. <laughs> I would have taken just mommy if, if we knew that you wouldn't like it. Basically, so you had your camera with the loop around your neck. And it was sitting in your lap. And you didn't think to hold on to it. No, so I when didn't. we went up and then we dropped down, the camera was above your head. <laughs> and obviously, it as soon as we. Out. <laughs> it really did. And then as soon as we get off, well, obviously, I wanted to go again. Yay! 
And that <laughs> kid, right Brenda, there, right that there. girl wrote it three times in a row. Good girl. The third time she said, I think I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. But the there second time. Point you've had enough. The second time, my dad was prepared. And this time. That was the next we... year, honey. I didn't write it a second time that day. That was the next year oh. before I wrote it again. <laughs> well, the second time you wrote it again, you were prepared. And you had your camera in your hands. And it was just like. <laughs> click, click. Click, click, click. Yeah. All the so way. So you got a picture of every single thing about that ride. Every yeah. single frame of movement. Yeah. Probably could take all those pictures and make an animation of it. You probably could. Maybe. Do you still have them? Of course. Give oh them to goodness. me. Okay, we'll talk about that out there. Yeah. Sounds okay. like a good project for Sophie. Yeah. All right. Yay. So is it my turn? It is your turn, Mike. Well, I'm going to preface my choices by saying that a lot of my choices, listening audience, are going to end up being more historical than backstory. But I feel like there's a backstory even in the history. And so let's see if I can if I can pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I bet you My, can. The first one I'm going to talk about is the Disneyland Railroad. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. It was opening day, July 17th, 1955, is when it opened. It was originally called the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad because it was um, sponsored by the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Railroad at the time. Um. The idea for the Disneyland Railroad was conceived by Walt Disney himself because he had his backyard miniature railroad that was called the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad. And he drew inspiration from that in coming up with the layout and the idea of having a, um, a railroad. And that's how the Disneyland Railroad kind of got its being. Um, Two of Walt's nine old men were very instrumental in helping in the design of the railroad. And they were Ollie Johnston and Ward Kimball because they were both railroad enthusiasts. And I think, if I remember correctly, wasn't it Ward Kimball that um, went to Chicago with Walt for some business trip? And they really got it. That's where he got involved and really Got it. Got an appreciation for for the trains where he started to develop a love. I don't know. I might be. It probably was Ward Kimball. I think it was, but I might be wrong yeah. on that. Um, there were or there are five locomotives in the Disneyland Railroad. The first four were all um, named after former CEOs of the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Railroad, and the first one. There were two on opening day, the C.K. Holiday and the E.P. Ripley. Um, and those both opened on July 17, 1955. The Fred Gurley opened or premiered at Disneyland Railroad on March 28, 1958. The Ernest S. Marsh on July 25, 1959. That's my sister's birthday, even oh, though she awesome. wasn't born yet, but it's still her birthday. <laughs> and then 
way on in 2005, June 25th, 2005, the Ward Kimball was introduced um, in honor of Ward Kimball. That man, yeah. No, awesome. Um, it, like I said, most of it is history, but a lot of it is really cool because the way I think about it, I think I kind of connect the dots a little bit. And, you know, we had Oswald and we had the unfortunate situation where Walt lost the rights to Oswald, the, the, the lucky rabbit. And, yeah. um, and then be a blessing. Yeah. yeah, but then on the way back, he's riding the train, and that's when he comes up with Mickey Mouse. You that's know? right. And as a kid, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I think he had a relative that worked for the railroads, and so I think that played a role in his appreciation for him. And it, all these little things add up, you know, to yeah. what came about and became the Disneyland Railroad. You know, so. To me, that's that's almost like it's it's not a made up story, a backstory, but it's like a yeah. real life backstory. True. And yeah. so that's why I think it, it really does kind of come into play a little bit. So so that's what I have for my first choice, the Disneyland. Yay. Bravo. Nice. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Sophie, Sophie. we're back to you. What are you going to talk about next? All right. And where is this on the on the coolness factor? This one, this one is sort of hyped. It's not nearly as hyped as my top two. Okay. Because those two are there's a plot twist coming. I'm going to warn you right now. There's a plot twist. Okay. And it's going to blow your mind. Oh, awesome. Those are good. <laughs> so. But this one is not part of that plot twist. Okay. And that is Le Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros. Awesome. Anyone who knows my movie watching habits knows that I love old Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> old Disney movies, old, old, old Disney movies, especially one that came out in 1944. It was heavily influenced by surrealism and also featured three avine, avian characters, and their names were Donald Duck, Jose Carioca, and depending on the source that you look at, Panchito Pistoles or Panchito Romero, Mieco, and Pero Francisco Quintero Gonzalez. Depending <laughs> on which song you're singing. <laughs> and that movie was called? The Three Cavalieros, which Yay! the ride is based off of. That is where the entire ride comes from. It is set as a continuation of the origin story of our avian trio, as I call them. And the movie starts as this. Picture this. It is Donald Duck's birthday, Friday the 13th, which is not his actual birthday according to history, but it is in the movie. Friday the 13th. (laughs) And his friends, whom he hasn't met yet, I don't think, 
he's pen pals with them, they have decided to give him for his birthday adventures all across Latin America, even going as far south as Antarctica and as far north as Me Mexico, which is still so south for Donald since he's in America. Mm -hmm. So that is the origin story. And the ride itself takes place after this origin story, as I said, and Donald has gone missing once again. Oh, goodness. He's flown the coop somewhere and is now enjoying his time exploring Mexico more and more. And, and trying to get a little closer to some of the ladies, of course. Just like you did in the movie. The movie like was set in, in 1944. You have to be patient with the customs back then. <laughs> That's true. Hashtag feminism. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yes. Grace is the five-letter word. Yes. Yeah. That's what Donald's doing. And Panchito and Jose are obviously looking for him. And the thing about the ride is that you can tell it and the movie are similar and related to each other. And the way I see this the most is the fact that a lot of scenes in the movie take place using scenes like filming loop filming loops and they're of real places and they animate the characters into these real places mm -hmm. and that is seen both in the movie and in the ride and it's very interesting to me also yeah. fun fact did you know that la grand fiesta tour is actually a year younger than the next ride that i'm going to talk about no, I didn't. Yeah, it was. It aired in 2007, which is very young, if you ask me. What was there before it? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't either. But it, there was something there before. Oh, yeah. It was I a was... boat ride like this one. I, I always can't remember the was... name of it. I always I thought remember. that before... La Grand Fiesta tour, the thing that was in the Mexico Pavilion had to be like a super scary roller coaster, and I was scared to death of that pavilion beforehand. I would never, ever, ever go in it. You had to drag me in there. It was a boat ride of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's good, Sophie. Yep. Yay! All right. It's Brenda. So, on to my turn. next one. My next one on my list is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. There you go. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, just have to say, it's changed a few times. I'm going to go to the original backstory because it's changed a few times. <laughs> just, I could be here all day long talking about every additional change. So yeah. we're just going to go to the original story. There's a legend about Big Thunder Mountain. The story begins in a little town of Rainbow Ridge in the 1800s. The time is the gold rush. And when the gold was discovered, the miners constructed a rail system to transport the gold. Unbeknownst to the settlers, the mountain was cursed by the spirit of Big Thunder. The spirits caused earthquakes and floods, destroying the mines and causing residents to flee. The town became deserted until years later when explorers found trains speeding through the mines, 
with no passengers inside. Uh-oh. Now the railroad is open for thrill seekers who are willing to ride these possessed carts at their own risk. We are I all will. thrill seekers. Wow. Let's go. We are the thrill seekers. Yay. That's the new name of the podcast, the thrill seekers. No, oh, my God. Not. That's a cool name. Thrill seekers. Probably already taken, though. It is a cool name, but ours is better. Ours is better. That's true. Ours is better. That's right. On the road with Brenda. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. On the road with Brenda. Well, that's the short and sweet story of the of the original backstory. Okay, okay. what are the others? Short and so, oh my goodness gracious, it can, you can get into the tall tales that the miners told, and I could literally go on forever. That's about what I'm about to do with my final two. So. Are you going on forever? Well, maybe yeah, no. I can give you a little bit of the story. So okay. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad dates back to the wild and woolly boom town days when every prospector west of the Rockies was looking for gold. The following is the tall tale heard tell by one of those prospectors who got it secondhand from old Sam, the last of the Big Thunder miners. Yes, sir, it's 1840, and around these parts, things got pretty near quiet as the hanging tree on Sunday after a big thunder mine tapped out. One day, this is hard to read, one day there ain't none richer. The next, even a ghost wouldn't have much interest in her. Things got mighty busted up and rusted out down inside Big Thunder, so Sam told me, while sucking from a dusty bottle of old Imagineer, he was the last prospector inside the mine. Fact is, poor old Sam took a spill and done landed belly up in one of them old carts. Next thing he knows, the car takes off like a skinny coyote after a plump hen. Wow. Off he went, ahead for the mine. Seems like the old ghost mine came to life for Sam. He swears the rusted winch engine was a pumping and a wheezing. And just when he was thinking he must have bats in his belfry, there was bats. Then he sat up to see what he could see in the dark, and there was pools of rainbow water and waterfalls and plenty of them rocks in the shoe swarm and stalactites and stalagmites. The walls of the canyon kept coming in closer and closer at old Sam, and he yelled until he couldn't yell no more. All of a sudden... The car thunders into a pitch, the ultimate gold strike to be his destiny. And that's why he is having so much trouble with Big Thunder Mountain. According to the superstitious locals, Big Thunder Mountain's are very protective of the gold it holds within. And the unfortunate soul who attempts to mine its riches is destined to fail. And so far, that prophecy is coming to pass. The mine has been plagued by mysterious forces and natural disasters ever since. And yet, the Big Thunder Mountain Company is still in operation. In fact, Bullion is discovering new veins of gold and digging new shafts every day, offering a closer look at the Big Thunder Mining operation than before. But a word to the wise for anyone attempting to visit the mountain. Watch out for those runaway trains. Wow. The end. Nice. Read it again. Read it again. <laughs> no, we're not going to read it again. <laughs> I have some information. A oh, little, good. A little Grand Fiesta tour. Did oh. you know? Oh, did you know? No, we didn't. And that's why I looked it up. The Grand Fiesta tour's previous ride name was El Rio del Tiempo. Forgot all about that. And I'll tell you right now, Sophie never wrote it. Nope. 
Neither did I, I don't think. Although Cindy might beg to differ. She might say, yeah, we wrote it in um, the year 2000. But I don't remember it. Um, and the reason Sophie never wrote it is because her first trip was 2004. Or 2005, I mean. Um, and then 2006, we went for it. And they did go to Epcot, but only to eat with the princesses in Norway. Yeah. So yeah. then we hopped back over to the Magic Kingdom. Then in 2006, we went to the Magic Kingdom for a day. Her first real trip where we went into Epcot and did other parks was in 2007. Ah. So, so as long as your visit it was, was already, after they changed it. It was already Grand Fiesta Tour in 2007. So. Very the, good. So that answers yep. that question. What was there before Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros? Yeah. All right. And that, I loved your story though, Brenda. Wasn't my story. I just read it. Well, <laughs> I it liked was it true. Though. I loved your accented <laughs> interpretation of the story. Thank you. <laughs> so my next um, attraction for my backstory is probably one of the ones that is an actual backstory. It might be the only one of my five that is an old is an actual yes. backstory. <laughs> anyway, that would it? be the Cali River Rapids. Ah, nice. So here's what's going on. Okay. In the town of Anandapar, which lies on the Chakranadi River, and by the way, Chakranadi means river that flows in a circle. There oh. is a, an operation, and they've been um, they've been logging. There's been illegal logging going on, and it's damaging the environment. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> because of this, Manisha Gurung, who is a local woman started the Cali Rapids expedition and her whole idea is her goal is to show that there are more eco-friendly ways of creating income for the village instead of you know doing the logging and you know and destroying the ecosystem to raise revenue you can do this instead and you can raise revenue that way so so that's the backstory. The interesting tidbit about Cali River Rapids is that originally the name of the attraction was going to be Tiger Rapids Run. Oh, wow. And oh. it would have included live animals. And it was intended to be a full-length Asian safari. Oh, wow. And so I think they decided against that because of Kilimanjaro safaris. Yeah, I think that know, was a wise the influence decision. that it has. So, For so sure. yeah, I think it was a huge, hugely popular and wise decision. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cali River Rapids, of all the water park or water rides in the four main parks, it is probably the one where you will get the most wet. You can, yeah. And for sure. if you enjoy. Getting soaked if it's 187 degrees out, <laughs> you want to ride it, you ride it, and you're dry in five minutes because it's so hot. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But you'll feel good when you're getting soaked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So, but anyway, hey, good job. That's my backstory for Cali River Rapids. Good choice, Mike. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So my turn. It's your turn. (laughs) Number three. Number three. Expedition Everest. Mm, Nice. Nice. Yes. Right next door, practically. Nice. Yes, it is. Rapids. It is, and there's a very special thing about it. So I actually found the. official backstory for it which compared to the top two rides on my list and why they take so long is because they don't have official backstories but this one does so that's why it's so hyped up and because i love expedition everest so i'm going to talk about it okay so also this is the ride that I'm talking about being a year older than La Grande Fiesta Tour. It opened in 2006. Aha. Took yeah. forever. We watched that sucker being built for three years. Well, we didn't. Gracious. We didn't. It took forever. <laughs> oh. Well, worth now well, it's open, right, Brenda. Right? Worth it's open right. now. You can put that, you can put the bitterness away. <laughs> Yeah, and listen to the story as if it's your first time writing it all over again. Okay, my eyes are closed. I'm picturing it in my mind. Yes, picture this, my blinded listeners. Brenda, close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your ears open so you can rewrote what you wrote. Yeah. You're walking through the remote village of Serkazong in the fictional kingdom of Anandapur, which also has the Kali River Rapids in it, and is located in the foothills of the Himalayas in northern India. Several village buildings that you pass that had been used by the Royal Anandapur Tea Company have been repurposed repurposed by businesses that send trekkers on various expeditions throughout these famous Himalayas. You are one of those trekkers and you are going on the famous Expedition Everest, which is the name of a very specific trek arranged by the Himalayan Escapes, Himalayan Escapes Tour Company in Sarkazong. It will be taking you to Mount Everest and you will be sponsored by the entrepreneurs behind the Himalayan escapes, Norbu and Bob, which have refurbished a steam train, Darjeeling Corail, that previously had been used to bring harvested tea leaves down from the mountains. It's these trains that Expedition Everest trekkers board on their way to the base camp of Mount Everest, using a shortcut that passes through the forbidden mountain thought to be guarded by the Yeti. Among local cultures, the Yeti is believed to be a fierce protector of the region's most pristine mountains, valleys, and forests, and violently opposes man's encroachment on these areas. This you know because you have gone through the line that it takes to get onto this train which features the story of the legend of the Yeti for you to listen to, whether you're taking the long way around and get to see the shrine that was made for it, 
or you're taking the fast pass, I mean shortcut, which has an abbreviated version. Nice, nice wordplay. Very good. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Good job. Don't go in the single rider line or you'll miss it all. I mean, I'm still going in the single rider line anyway <laughs> because I know what it means and I've heard it so many times. And me, I really want to see that temple that you pass through as you're going up into the mountain because yeah. that is the shrine where the Yeti was worshipped at as well. That ride is awesome, right? Yeah, it is. I love oh, Expedition yeah, Everest. So awesome. It's the oh. bomb. All yes. right. Very good. I visualized the whole thing. I did yep. too. Yay. I had my eyes open though, Sophie. Sorry. Yeah, I saw, but I didn't want to say anything to kill the mood for someone who actually listens. Yay. <laughs> well, I'm your old man. I don't know how to listen. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, my next one's short and sweet, but it's a cute story. And it's for my third choice is Prince Charming Regal Carousel. Ooh. So the short little backstory about this particular ride is that after the wedding, Cinderella and Prince Charming moved into Cinderella Castle. The prince decided he wanted to enter jousting tournaments, but he needed a little practice. Hmm. So... On some land near the castle, he built a contraption that would help him train. It was a circular platform that held carved horses big enough to ride on. A trainee would sit on a wooden horse while the platform spun, allowing him to practice the ring spearing, one of the popular tournament events. In this event, a knight rides his horse as fast as he can and attempts to use his lance to spear a small ring hanging from a tree branch. The, ringing, the ring spearing event was known as Carousel. Soon, oh. everyone in the village noticed the prince's new toy. To give everyone a chance to experience it, Prince Charming built another carousel near to the castle. The new carousel was made to fit the splendor of the castle courtyard by decorating the horses with golden helmets and shields, flowers, and medallions. All the villagers are invited to take a spin on the carousel and enjoy a taste of the royal life. Oh, nice. wow. Nice. Ta-da! Good job, I Brenda. love the carousel. I just love, I just love it. Beautiful. Cindy and I like riding the carousel. Cindy loves the carousel ride, too. Yay, Cindy! Yeah. I like it, too. It's a part of my childhood. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I mean, we would be at a shopping mall and it'd have a little carousel with two horses and you yeah. pay a quarter or something and she would get on it and we yep. would ride it and ride it and ride it and ride it and ride it. Yep. And she but, loved it. You know, who doesn't when you're four, you know? That's right. That's right. I still so, do that with the girls. Yeah. Simple oh, and by pleasures. the way. Yeah. It's something I forgot to mention about Expedition Everest, and I'm oh. sorry. But it's also slightly related to my top two. Okay. What is okay. it? Okay. I'm done with that. You'll find out later. Your turn, Daddy. Oh, okay. Uh oh. So she <laughs> left us a cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. something I just figure out right now. Well, my next attraction show ride 
Disney big time hit backstory is we're back to history 101. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be talking about the Carousel of Progress. And, you know, I think there's probably not a person around of any of a certain age who does not know that the Carousel of Progress was originally designed for use during the 1964 New York World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And um, it was featured at the General Electric Pavilion at the fair, and they personally asked Walt Disney himself to create a show for the pavilion. My understanding, and correct me if anyone knows differently, but my understanding is that during the World's Fair, the attraction was called Progress Land. Hmm. And it it was multiple levels. um, And after you saw the little bit of the show like we're used to seeing with the carousel progress there was other levels that talked about general electric's role in power throughout the years really yeah so that to me was kind of cool yeah um but it was called progress land and after the fair was over the attraction was put in place in disneyland until 1973, where it was moved to Tomorrowland at Walt Disney World, and it opened on January 15th, 1975. Wow. Nice. And um, it was officially renamed Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress in 1993. Yay. So, and you know... We love the Carousel of Progress, and we ride it. We see the show, I would guess, on any normal trip, probably half a dozen times. Mm. <laughs> you so know? Because there's something just peaceful and calming about just seeing and checking it out and just going back in time, you know, to those to those time periods, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't think we'll ever get sick of it. And I know I have friends that it is their absolute favorite attraction. And the reason it's their favorite attraction is because it was their dad's favorite attraction at Disney. Nice. And so it really, it's like a memory, especially when their dad is gone right now. Yes. You know, Um, so that's a lifeline back to, those times you know and that's the that's the beauty of all these different stories and these rides and that's what disney really makes you know makes it that's how it really yeah you know is able to cement some some long-term memories i think um for us you know looking back with cindy and i and sophie being able to take her as often as we were able to is something that we'll look back on years from now and we'll see a picture and it'll be so cool you know and we'll just remember the the moment you know so so anyway but carousel progress is one of those classics that just really does it for me yeah keeps giving and giving and giving yeah absolutely absolutely and that is the carousel progress so sophie 
great job. I think we're going to keep going. We were talking, everyone, about maybe having to stop and yeah. pick up our last two down the road. What do you girls think? Should I we? Think we should go for it. Should we go All for right. it? Okay. Yeah, because people could always pause it if they want to pause it and listen yeah. to it in two parts. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Exactly. That's very true. Way to go, Brenda. I don't Yay. know. I think I'm about to make this an hour and a half long. Oh, okay. she got some <laughs> juicy stuff coming up here. Tidbits coming. Tidbits. Oh, I do. All right, so is it my turn? Yeah. It's your turn, isn't it? Yes. Behold, my top two. Drum roll, please. Dun, da, 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 the Jungle Cruise. Oh, there she goes, the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> and this one is actually the lesser juicy of the two that I have as my top two, but it is still related to Expedition Everest, and you are about to find out why. Awesome. Tell me, does the organization known as the Society of Adventurers and Explorers ring a bell to you? Or Explorers and Adventurers. Sorry, I got those two mixed up. Yeah. Well, that society is very is a very key element to Expedition Everest and the Jungle Cruise and my top pick which I'm sure most of you already know what it is, and you're probably wondering, how on earth is that related to that ride? Yeah. Well, you're going to find out soon enough. Okay. And for now, I'm just going to call it C, because S-E-A-C. So the go. C is a close affiliate of something known as the Jungle Navigation Company. And, and it's also company... affiliated with Finding Nemo, isn't it? Not quite, but yes. Okay. okay, sorry, go on. It is okay. And that company was founded in 1911. The Jungle Navigation Company, JNC, was founded in 1911 by Dr. Albert Falls, who funded many different jungle tour-related attractions around the world, including the famous Jungle Cruise and Indiana Jones, the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, as well as different restaurants such as Skipper's Canteen and the Tropical Hideaway in Adventureland. Among its members include a Dr. Alberta Falls, who is Dr. Albert's granddaughter who succeeded him, the Skippers on board the Jungle Cruise, and Trader Sam, who you can find near the end of the Jungle Cruise ride. The entire thing is set up to help encourage explorers and adventurers to follow their true calling and explore the jungles of the world and the major rivers in Africa, Asia, and South America, including the Amazon, the Nile, and many others. Awesome. Yes. And of course, this one does not have a lot to be shared, but that's because well, my other ride has a lot to be shared. And of course, <laughs> this is not an official backstory. It is the lore that I found while doing my research. Mm. But I think it's super cool how many of these rides are connected because the SEA, the C, is also a partner of the Anandapur Tea Company 
and the oh. Himalayan Escapes tour company oh in Cirque Zong. Really? Yes. yes. Dang. That is I cool. Mm hmm. That is cool. She's tying it all together over there. I, I am. Big old really ribbon. Big. Oh, yeah. I know. You red, know what? Red ropes everywhere. That's right. Everything's connected. You know what That's... I heard? What? Oh, what did you hear? Rogu told me off camera. So it's just really his word and my word. But I believe him, you know? He told me that the Jungle Cruise is his absolute favorite attraction because oh. of the frogs he can get. <laughs> Clever. Oh, Grogu, what am Clever. I going to do with you? He is always looking for a snack. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. I'll get you a cookie when we're done here. <laughs> well, you just made his day, honey. Yay! <laughs> anyway, okay. that's just a sidebar note. Okay. Good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Brenda. Well, my fourth one is uh, Tom Sawyer Island. Okay, oh, yes. Where the story came from? No. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Hey! Oh, I was thinking. Good. I was thinking of that that Rush song. Oh, today's Sawyer. Tom Sawyer's a mean, mean yeah. fry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song, Mike. <laughs> That's a great to go YouTube Man, Rush. Man, Neil Peart was fantastic, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever seen that guy drum? His drum set turns a circle, and he moves his seat. It's crazy. You need to see it if you haven't. Oh, my God. Anyway, back to Thomas Sawyer Island. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not visited the parks, or if you have visited the parks but have not gone to Tom Sawyer Island, Tom Sawyer Island is a massive outdoor playground that pays homage to the adventurous title character of Mark Twain's 1876 literary masterpiece, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer Island harkens back to a simpler time of imagination and adventure. Its endless trails, dark caverns, and rustic structures offer guests a style of old-fashioned outdoor fun and things that many of us fondly remember from our childhood. The original version of Tom Sawyer Island opened at Disneyland in 1956. According to the Disney Company, the attraction was designed by Walt Disney himself. Go Exactly. <laughs> Sharing the strong affinity for the for the world Mark Twain created in his novels, Walt found himself unsatisfied with the island's original design. Days before construction was set to begin, he took the plans home and reimagined the landscape design, creating the inlets, coves, and overall shape of the island that it is known for today. Yay! And it opened at Magic Kingdom in May of 1973, May 20th. 1973 to be exact and it's a lot of fun have you been over there lately no no i haven't and most Love of the reason it. why is because of renovations yeah you know, when we were there in november the uh, moat was drained for the work they were doing on the tracks for the yes. and so that was really weird um 
Uh, and you know, if we'd have wanted to go, they might have let us walk across. <laughs> I have. I have. But I wasn't about to go ask. So. Well, and the backstory mm. of Tom Sawyer Island isn't so much a backstory of the attraction, but for a backstory of the story of Tom Sawyer, I'll give you a little tidbit. Mark Twain was born Samuel Clemens in 1835 in Florida, Missouri. He grew up not too far away from a small town of Hannibal. From there, he would raft over to islands in the Mississippi and watch as majestic steamboats paddled by. As a young man, he became a riverboat pilot, listening to the leadsman to sing out Mark Twain, which indicated the river measured two fathoms deep, making it safe to proceed. As a writer, his two most famous creations, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, sprang from his boyish memories of life in the Mississippi. All the names on the island can be found in the literary classic Huckleberry Finn. So, you know, when he was watching those big uh, riverboats go by, that's why you can now ride the riverboat all the way around Mm -hmm. Tom Sawyer Island. Exactly. Exactly. Pretty cool. That is super cool. So much to do over there. Oh, yeah. The barrel bridges and all that. Yeah, we loved it. When Sophie was younger, we would go over there. Yeah, we would go over there and hang out. And yeah, I mean, you had no real timetable until it was time for them to close the island now for fireworks. So, yeah, yeah, and it's so. kind of fun taking the raft oh. over there and taking the raft back. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you know, yesteryear. I like it. I like things the barrel like bridges, Celtic. those the are barrel bridges the caves, were awesome. The caves, yeah, oh, yeah, the, caves, the, fort. the spooky lighting, yeah. the fort, yeah. So much fun. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's All right. My fourth one is, and I'm, this has a Disneyland version. Oh. And I'm going to talk about the Walt Disney World version, okay. I think, predominantly. And it is the Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh. And it opened at Walt Disney World on December 15th, 1973. And originally, there wasn't going to be a Pirates of the Caribbean at Walt Disney World. Because the Imagineers thought that a pirate ride in Florida wouldn't be very interesting because of the state's history with pirates. But everyone that had been able to go to Disneyland... Yeah. Loved Pirates of the Caribbean. And they came back to Disney World expecting to see Pirates of the Caribbean and it wasn't there. And they were like, Whoa, oh. Daddy, what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> <laughs> and because there was such an uproar about where's the Pirates of the Caribbean, Disney added it because of that uproar. Good job. And that's why it didn't open until 1973. Um, when the park, of course, opened in 1971. Um, some of the best parts of the ride at Disney World, to me, are actually in the queue. And, um, and I think one of the best parts of the queue is the, um, is the gag that Mike, that Mark Davis did, where there's two pirate skeletons that are playing chess mm-hmm. and the chess board <laughs> Sophie is set up 
in a stalemate mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out exactly who is going to make the next move and neither one of them can make a move because it would cause their side to lose so they just sat there waiting and waiting and waiting for the next person to be able to move and they sat there so long they died and they became skeletons Mm -hmm. they've been sitting there 1973 and actually (laughs) it was somewhat funny was that in a, a refurbishment period when they were working on pirates of the caribbean they had to move the board and the pieces got moved and they were like oh my gosh how do we set it back up? Oh no! So they had to go back to Mark Davis's drawings. Oh wow! To see oh. how it was laid out, wow. so they could lay it out, so it was still a stalemate. <laughs> wow! Thank God they found something, because I was thinking, I bet nobody took a picture. Yeah. I mean, other oh, people probably funny. took pictures, but you know, yeah. you're gonna find it. How are you gonna find it? And then, oh, wow. um, in the original construction of. The Disneyland ride, so it's kind of it's kind of flipped back and forth a little bit. Um, you know how realistic the flames look when you're in the burning town, okay? Um, well, we all know that that's not real flames, but when it first started and they were first open, there's a rumor that the Anaheim Fire Chief saw the flames. And thought that they were real flames. Wow. And he was about to shut the ride down until Ooh, wow. they explained that no, it's not real flames. But out of that discussion they had with the fire chief, um, my understanding is that they actually developed some technologies to shut down the the ride in the event of some sort of electrical issues um that could that would stop the ride to prevent a potential fire. So even out of that, out of that misunderstanding, they were able to develop some safety techniques and that's good and implement things that hadn't been implemented before. So it's kind of cool to me, you know, that, 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 that all that came about um, out of a misunderstanding of thinking it was real flame. So that also speaks to how cool the flames are that they thought they were real. Yeah. Amazing. And there are well over a hundred animatronics in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and of course, everyone um, understands how how big a concept the idea of audio animatronics were for making the rides really come alive um, and not having to have a person there, you know, doing the movements for everything. So, so or that was yeah or a dog yeah so so um so those sorts of things are what i got for pirates of the caribbean i'm sure there's a a lot more that i missed on but um well and you didn't cover this little bit of trivia but i'm wondering if any of our listeners can help us out i know for a fact and i've seen him that there is a pirate in the ride that has sid caesar's face and that's because an Imagineer was a big Sid Caesar fan really? and literally created Sid Caesar's face on a pirate. Now, I wow. think that when I saw it, I was on the Disneyland version. 
but I'm not positive. So I'm wondering if any of the listeners know if Sid Caesar Pirate is on the Disneyland ride or the Disney World ride, the Walt Disney World ride. I think it's the Disneyland ride, but it's literally Sid, Sid Caesar. Do you know who Sid Caesar is, Sophie? Not a clue. Did you I ever know. see Grease? No, Did you ever I see Grease with John Travolta? And I, I know what John? it is, but I've never seen it. I don't know what else you would have seen Sid Caesar in. What character was he in in Greece? He was he was the coach. Oh, we're gonna I don't think I realized that. And all that stuff. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wonder if any of the listeners know for sure if it's. I would Disneyland bet it's probably on the Disneyland version. side because you know. I, I think it is, but I'm not positive. Some comparisons um, between the two rides. Is that the Disneyland ride is significantly longer? That's yeah. true. Um, and, yeah. And maybe this adds into the, the backstory part. Um, you know, at Disneyland, you, you can watch them leave on the um, Pirates of the Caribbean from the Blue Bayou yeah. while you're eating your dinner. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to eat at the Blue Bayou and why we had a reservation. And I loved my jambalaya I had there, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, sidebar. Um, but part of that is you're leaving from the bayou and you're getting into almost like a time warp to take you to where the pirate action is. Yeah. And at Disney world, you don't have that need. So you don't have the time warp or the time, um, that you need to get into the, Caribbean part because you're already there So yeah. there, So the ride as a result is Not as long and of course At Disneyland there's two drops As opposed to one at the Magic Kingdom And that is because Of I'm trying to remember Why Brenda Because the train goes over it Over one of them but The train goes over Disneyland Yeah but um, is that why there's two drops Though I think so it had to go down Lower I think Okay. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not positive. I think so. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. But um but you know, there's not much debate unless, you know, you care to debate it, but just about everyone who's ridden both feels like the Disneyland one is better. <laughs> I do too. I totally agree with that. So, you know, I also like I'll, the I Disneyland enjoy one both, because though. of the murals. I like the Disneyland one because of the murals and the queue. Yeah. There's this one. Yeah, there's this one pirate in the queue, and his name is Gibbs. Yep. Oh, there you go. And for those of you who don't know, my mom's maiden name is Gibbs. Her last name is Gibbs because she's still a Gibbs. Yeah, that's true. But it was her maiden name originally, so her... Her last name is Gibbs. So that means I could be related to a pirate. Never know. Yep, we have the pirate Gibbs. And we also have Ellis Island. There you go. And don't forget, being here in North Carolina, we live in Raleigh. And we learned last week about how that's where Jeff Galloway is from. Yeah. you know, that's that's not the sidebar I'm going for. The sidebar I'm going for that relates to the Pirates of the Caribbean is that in the town of Bath, North Which Carolina. Which my mom was 
born which, in. Which mommy was born at. Um, that town was the home of Blackbeard the Pirate. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. When he wow. would come over, he would come and he would stop in Bath. And his name was wow. William Teague. Is that what it is, Sophie? Teach. Teach. Edward Teach. Edward Teach. Yeah, Edward Teach. And that was his, that's his real name. Wow. And he was, and he had a house and he had some sort of secret passageway, I think, that would get him to his ship. So if people were coming looking for him, he could escape to his. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. So, so there's the, there's the segue back to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's the Pirates of Eastern North Carolina, too. There you go. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> great so. job great story anyway so that takes us to our final entries in our disney backstory yeah. number one number Numero one uno, the one she is most hyped about mm-hmm. most hyped it ties everything together and who am i excited for it okay and speaking of pirates this one starts with a pirate and the one i'm talking about of course before i get into anything i'm talking about the haunted mansion yeah now what does that have to do with a pirate well let me tell you when the haunted mansion was being thought up and developed it went through a series of changes to its backstory but the (laughs) but the original one revolved around the legend of Captain Gore. He was a pirate, but his wife did not know he was a pirate. Well, she found out eventually. And so because he couldn't have her reporting him to the authorities, he killed her. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yes. That's rude. It is very rude, unfortunately. Yes. But she got the last laugh because although he killed her, she haunted him for the rest of his life as a spirit. And she was set to get her vengeance. She drove him to the point of, and trigger warning for those who are squeamish about it, she she drove him to the point that he put a rope necklace around his neck. And you can still see him suspended from the rafters in the attic. Yes. Scary. That and is that, the legend of Captain Gore. And that ties the backstory with the pre-show, doesn't it, Soph? It does, yes. Because is that everyone, him? No. That could be him. It could be. If but the story was accepted. Oh, I'm it accepting it. Accepted. Well, Walt didn't accept it. Uh-oh. He's like, we need more. And so then afterwards came the writing of the tale of Bloodmere Manor. And this one is far less grim than the legend of Captain Gore. It is simply a decrepit house with more deaths, but deaths that are not so gruesome, although they are violent. They are not gone into detail, so we don't know exactly what they're about. But 
the spirits, they all haunt the same house that they lived in because that is what ties them together. However, the decrepit mansion was moved. It was moved to Disneyland in New Orleans Square where it was restored, but the spirits moved with it and now you have a house of 999 happy haunts ready to meet the new neighbors. Mm-hmm. They got to put on a good face, don't they? Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Socialize, yay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and they want story, to follow you home. <laughs> yes, they, they have to make sure that they come to meet your family, of course. They're the course. new neighbors. It would be rude <laughs> if they never came out to play. That's yeah. right. Now, this version was more widely accepted than The Legend of Captain Gore, but Walt was still not completely satisfied with it. Okay. So in comes the story of Master Gracie. And for those of you who know about the Haunted Mansion movie, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Have you seen it, Brenda? Yes. I love that movie. I, I think it's it awesome. Too. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. Edward Gracie was the owner of the Haunted Mansion, and he had a lovely fiance named Elizabeth. But then one night, before their wedding, might I add, Elizabeth was found dead in her rooms. It, is be- it was largely believed that she had committed suicide for some reason, and the butler, Ramsey, convinced him of this, that she would come back to him in some time in the form of a mortal woman and they would be together forever, thus keeping Master Gracie a ghost in the house, haunting it forever with Ramsey by his side. This, of course, is not true, however. Spoilers for the movie, which is where the tale truly gets fleshed out. Ramsey is the one that killed Elizabeth, and he tried to kill the mortal woman, I think, Lisa, who looks just like her. But they are not the same person. However, his plot is uncovered by Lisa's husband, who comes to save his wife from dying a bride. And thus, Ramsey is defeated, where he goes back to the afterlife, which he just fully deserves, and the place down below. And Master Gracie, now content knowing that his bride did not, in fact, despise him, and that she still loves him, joins her in paradise, where he can finally move on. That is the story of Master Gracie. And the reason that he died is because he also hung himself from the rafters of the attic. Thus, it is believed that Master Gracie, who is the portrait, the first portrait in the Haunted Mansion that we see, he is the one that turns into the skeleton, is the one who we see in the gallery with no windows or doors hanging from the ceiling. Oh, so we think that's Master Gracie. Yes. And I, I accept I accept that one. I, I kind of do too, but you know, if they really want to know, they should just climb up there and do a DNA check. That's Send right. it off to Ducky. He'll get Abby Shudo to look at it. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm going off on my own tangents here. Never mind. Yeah. 
For those of you who don't know, NCIS is an amazing show, and I implore you to go watch it if you're in for government-themed action. Yeah, crime movies, crime <laughs> shows. But yes. everyone has probably seen it, and it's pointed out by me because Gibbs is the character. And what's mommy's last name, Sophie? Gibbs. So there you go. <laughs> Yet another the seven degrees of separation for Cindy. That's right. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Did she end up anyway. with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> no. <laughs> and just to end up clear. with Mike Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, this story of Master Gracie is one that I accept. However, it's not the only one that I accept because it's clear that the mansion has seen many tales pass through its walls and its doors if yeah. you're mortal and can't face through objects and so the one that i'm about to share with you is the one that i am the most hyped for and is, is the one that ties everything together that i've been hinting at this entire episode awesome. and that is the story of constance hatchaway mm -hmm. oh. there she comes yes. the black widow bride which is actually the I think she's the fourth rendition of The Bride and the Attic. There have been three predecessors before her and an alternate one over in Phantom Manor in Disneyland Paris, but she's not actually connected to this ride. Constance Hatchaway, on the other hand, is the center of everything in this theory, and I love it. She has had four husbands in the past at the time of the story. But then she marries her fifth and final victim, I mean husband, and he is a man named George Hightower. He is the owner of the Haunted Mansion and her final husband. Now, George Hightower has family. Of course he does. How else would he get all this money? But a specific relative of his it goes by the name of Harrison Hightower III. Now, Harrison is the ready. Harrison is the key. He actually lives over in Japan, in Tokyo Disneyland, otherwise known as Disney oh. Sea, which is a specific park in Tokyo Disneyland. And there he owns -E -A. a. A. That's wow. actually not. That's actually not the correlation that I was going to make between it. But I love the detail that you guys noticed. That Dad noticed. <laughs> yes. But rather, he owns a lavish hotel in Tokyo Disney Sea, and that is called the Hotel High Tower, otherwise known as Japan's version of the Tower of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, the reason that I'm so focused on him is because he is a member of SEA, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Oh my goodness gracious. And he is a peer to a Mr. Henry Mystic, who owns Mystic Manor, which is the Haunted Mansion attraction in Hong Kong Disneyland. Goodness. It is all connected, my friends. We have SEA in Japan, in Florida, in China. It's everywhere. And all of these rides are connected, and I love it so much. Cool. Very cool. Yes, and that is my... That is what has me so hyped up. 
I hope you guys are as hyped up as I am and that your mind is blown. My mind's blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom. Drop the mic. We're done That's recording. Right. Drop the mic. She's done. See you next week. <laughs> you guys still need to go wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Brenda and I have to go. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> oh, God. We should have redone the order. We should have redone our order. It ended with Sophie. So it ended with Sophie. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Mike Ellis running his amateur hour. Oh, <laughs> and see, look, we're at an hour and 18 minutes now. I told you guys I was going to get this to an hour and a half. Uh-huh. All right. Well, now yeah, it's Prince's turn. turn. It is my turn. It's my final one, and it's it's a small world. It's a small world it's after small. all. That's right. <laughs> so I'll give you the now there's not a backstory. There's more of a history story like what Mike's been having um, with a lot of his tonight. So this one is the same. It was in 1963. Wed Enterprises was knee deep in projects not only for Disneyland, um, but pavilions for the 1964-65 World's Fair in New York. They were working on great moments with Mr. Lincoln for the State of Illinois Pavilion, Magic Skyway for Ford, and the Carousel of Progress for General Electric. PepsiCo approached Disney to create an attraction for their pavilion that would benefit UNICEF. Hmm. And it was called UNICEF Salutes the Children of the World. That was what their pavilion was called. So numerous people told Walt to turn it down because he was like already knee deep in projects, but he accepted it anyway. And the World's Fair theme was peace through understanding and Walt had an increased affinity for international culture and affairs. The working title became Children of the World, which helped set the stage for what the attraction would become. So they um, ended up getting Mary Blair to be the designer. You know, she's awesome. She worked in Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, Cinderella. She designed the dolls, the set, and the color palettes for the ride. These elements gave the other designers a visual of what to create in three-dimensional form. For the dolls, she designed over 350 different dolls from 26 different countries and regions. Wow. Man. Disney sculptor Blaine Gibson and designer Harriet Burns were tasked to create the dolls based off of Mary's designs. To make things simpler, given their limited time frame, they made one model of a head that was unisex and simplistic. The heads could be modified with different pigments for different skin tones. Since these dolls were to represent children, they could be made simplistic while enhanced with costuming to showcase their native lands and genders. With many details for the attraction underway, the next part became the actual track itself. Claude Coates was brought in to design the ride layout as the building had been constructed long before Disney signed to create the attraction. This meant they had to work out this L-shaped building and try to make the ride as cohesive as possible with that limited space. A mock-up of the attraction was built on stage one at Disney Studios and the designers would push Walt around in a boat so he could see how it would look. Mm-hmm. For the most part, everything was coming together except for one major component. Walt had wanted the national anthems of the different countries sung by the children. Oh. Yep. Good luck. Exactly. 
So the problem was that once the riders moved from one room to the next, they would hear a cacophony of anthems they, that didn't blend together. The attraction right. sounded terrible, much to Walt's chagrin. That's when he knew he had to call upon the studio music team, the Sherman, the Sherman Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> awesome Sherman Brothers. Walt wanted a song that was innocent and sweet, appealed to both children and adults, and fit the theme, Peace Through Understanding. Still, yeah. the idea was to somehow intertwine the countries and regions into the song, all while making it cohesive. The Sherman Brothers came up with it's a small world. They came up with three songs, actually. They played the first one for him. It's a small world. It had a sweet and catchy melody, and the lyrics could be easily translated into other languages for the different regions. It was exactly what Walt had wanted, so he didn't even want to hear the other two songs at all. He chose that one. What oh. were they? Do you know? No. They, he never heard them. No. To intertwine international flair with the Sherman Brothers tune, Bobby Hammock was brought in to help arrange the song. In order to fit the musicality of the different countries, he added specific instruments and tones from the international regions. The three also created an arrangement that could play in the courtyard outside the attraction as an overture to the show inside. What's Ooh. funny is that the Sherman Brothers didn't think the song would last longer than the World's Fair. Little did they know. Yeah, exactly. Little did they know. Little did they know. So Richard Sherman, when he was asked about the song, said, people think this is a little novelty. This is a prayer for peace. We have to learn to live together and respect each other or we're going to blow each other up. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people acted like that song? Yeah. While it may not have been commissioned for a theme park, the original It's a Small World attraction can be enjoyed at Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California. Other small world attractions have been installed at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, as well as Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disney Resort, and Hong Kong Disneyland. Shanghai Disney Resort is the only Disney resort that does not give its guests a chance to hop aboard the happiest cruise that ever sailed. Oh, wow. Such a great job, Brenda. Great job. Woohoo. Both of you. I'm impressed with both of y'all. I'm just I'm just sitting here looking well, pretty, and that's all I'm ride. doing. So <laughs> I didn't make the ride, but I can sure enjoy it, huh? We can that's all enjoy right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a small world after all. Yep, it sure is. So I'm closing us out, huh? Yeah. Yes, you are. You know, I started with the Disneyland Railroad. And I'm going to end with the Walt Disney World Railroad. Well, there you go. And to me, it's just because I love railroads so much. So, the Walt Disney World Railroad opened on opening day, which is October 1, 1971. Yay! We are getting real close to the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Railroad. We Um, are. Development was overseen by Roger E. Brogy. Who also supervised the building of the Disneyland Railroad. And if you look at my image, that is the Roger Brogy train. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I still haven't found that train book. 
Oh, we're gonna find it. We have we've been busy, so. <laughs> but it's in our house. Don't you worry. Nice. Yeah. There are four locomotives. There's five at Disneyland. There's four here at Walt Disney World. The first locomotive is the Walter E. Disney. And it is the Walt Disney World Railroad's tallest locomotive at 11 feet, 11 inches tall. And that gives it a grand total of one inch clearance between the top of its smokestack and the top of the roundhouse doors. Wow. It entered service on October 1, 1971. The second train, second locomotive, I should say, is the Lily Bell. Totally makes sense. Walter and Lily. And it entered service on October 1, 1971 as well. The third train is the Roger E. Brogy. And the story is that originally the third train was going to be the Roy O. Disney locomotive. But it is nearly identical to the locomotive from um, that the Walter Disney one is, Walter E. Disney is. And because of that, Roy did not want his name on a train, on a locomotive that was nearly identical to what his brother's was. Sounds like him. Yeah, it does. So they put Roger E. Brogy on the third train. It also entered service on October 1, 1971. And the fourth train, of course, the fourth locomotive is the Royal Disney. It had a mechanical issue that needed to be solved. And as a result, it needed about two more months. So it did not enter service until December 1, 1971. Um, Mm. What's really cool about the locomotives and the trains, the railroads, is how you can, um, you know, you know, in a normal attraction, you can, you get on the attraction. Let's say we're doing the Carousel of Progress. We sit down, we go through the attraction, we yeah. get up and we leave. Yeah. You know, on the on the railroads, when you get on it. If you want to do a whole loop, you do a whole loop. If you don't want to get off at the end of that loop, you stay on it. You keep doing it again. There is no one saying, hey, kid, get off. Yeah. Yeah. Until, of course, it's the end of the day. (laughs) And then they would say, kid, get off. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, but, but, but. but." (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing, though. You can stay on it forever if you you want. You can ride it and just relax and just take yourself back in time you know and that's what the the disneyland and the walt disney world railroads do for me is they take me back in time to that era when steam locomotives and train travel was what you did yeah you didn't fly from florida to la in five hours like you do now you know yeah you you took the train or you drove you know if you if you were lucky, you took the train and you made and it was a big time adventure and it still took you three days to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's to me is nice. the beauty of the railroads are is you're going back in time to that era, you know, so and and I think at the end of the day, when it comes to Disney, 
that's what I'm all about is is remembering the childhood memories, you know, and remembering those things that get so overlooked in today's hectic pace, you know, and the the busyness of the world and everything like that. So so that's why we love going to Walt Disney World and going to yeah. Disneyland is because yes. it takes us back to when we were kids. That's mm-hmm. right. So Yay, good well, job. You know, I loved that. That was a great one. Yep. That was a great episode. And I'm I am kudos to Sophie and kudos to Brenda for your backstories. And you girls knocked mm-hmm. it out. Thank you. And Thank I, you. I love what I said, but but I, I loved listening to your guys' stuff. Yeah, well, you liked listening to yours too. It yeah. was good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up our feature topic, and that takes us to this day in Disney history. Sophie, what do you got for July 19th? July 19th. Well, I've got one, but it's huge. Ooh. Huge with a capital Nin- huge? Yes. <laughs> 1989. It's even more huge than Ooh. the lore that I've it's even more huge than the lore that I gave us today. 1989, July 19th. Walt's nine old men and Oob Iwerks are inducted Disney Legends. Yay. The ceremony nice. is held at the Disney, Le- Disney Legends Promenade, the sidewalk area in front of the Disney Studio Theater, with Michael Eisner and Roy E. Disney presenting. Nice. Nice. And you know what? Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations and happy anniversary to them on their on the day they entered the the Legends program. And you're absolutely right, Sophie, because without those men and the work they did, these backstories probably don't exist. Oh no. Probably not. Yeah. So Thank Great God job. Walt had them. Goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Hey, great job. You got, you got hey. Sophie. You don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> You're bad. You're bad. Well, it's my turn now, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And I'm going to win this. Uh-huh. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. No stumping yes. the song today. But now Yours? I'm going to win it out of spite because you said that my Disney history was not much. Well, this he is was just easy teasing peasy. You. And I was just teasing. Exactly. This is easy peasy. And I'll be sad if you don't get this. Hmm. This character is a little girl with a big imagination. Okay. She is incredibly curious. All right. She was, um, she is incredibly proper and well spoken. Jane from Tarzan. No. And she was raised in Victoria. Victorian England. 
Jane from Tarzan. No. Brenda, you got any guess? All I had was either Pollyanna or Anastasia. That's all I could think of. No. I'm I'm surprised. How old is she when you say a little girl? How old is she? Oh, I don't know. I have no No. idea. (laughs) That's not helpful. Victorian England. Victorian England. Big imagination. Big is in the in the text. Big Alice. Is... Was it Alice from Wonderland? Alice. It is Alice. Oh my gosh. Oh. Here. I didn't know where she was from. I didn't snap to where she was from. Oh my oh. goodness. Wow. wow. I'm curious. I should have gotten that. Oh, that's okay. It's okay. I have some. Did you know? Yeah. Alice most likely comes from a wealthy family as she references the privileges of the upper class. And Alice's name means noble and kind. Hmm. I think that suits her. I think it does too. Yep. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. Wow. Oh, well. <sighs> Pretty good. You know Pretty what? good. Every now and again, it just means you start your next streak of 100 in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is our Stump the Soap session. Stump the Soap session. Yeah. All right. Well, now you're ready for a little bit of Walt? We need a little bit of Walt. (laughs) All right. Well, here is my Walt Disney quote for today. I believe firmly in the efficacy of religion and its powerful influence on a person's whole life. It helps immeasurably to meet the storms and stress of life and keep you attuned to the divine inspiration. Without inspiration, we would perish. Yeah. Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Yes. Yep. I think this quote played a lot into everything we enjoy today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did too. Helps immeasurably to meet the storms and stress of life. So does visiting our happy place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. I've got a topic idea that um, was suggested to me from the lovely and talented Cindy, also known as my wife and and Sophie's mom. Cindy Gibbs. And (laughs) she called it the Super Six. And Mm -hmm. I think um, originally I had written down one each week. Um, the super six to Cindy is Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto, and Daisy. And what we thought would be fun is if each of us take a character and document him and talk more about him and why we like him and everything like that or her, um, and really give some 
some stories about, you know, our our backstory, our own backstories with the characters, you know, kind of thing. Hmm. What do you think? What do you I think? think? I think that's a good idea. Brenda, what do you think? That's a good idea. Good, because I asked on air, so it'd be if you were like, I hate it, then this would be really weird. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> so I think we'll do this in two parts, okay? All right. You will each take two. Um, we'll talk about one this next week. Each of us talk about one next week and one the following week. Sound Yay! good? Yay! Yep. I love topics okay. that span multiple weeks. Okay, so who wants which character for next week? Donald. Brenda, speak up. Donald for Sophie. You know who I want, but who I want is who you want, Mike. You tell me who you want. Well, <laughs> she wants Mickey, Daddy. I do. I want her to have Mickey. Want Mickey? No, you have Mickey. Are you and sure? Take, yeah, and I'll take Minnie. Okay. Are you All sure? Right. I am positive. Okay. I'm positive because you know me. Even if it's your character, I'm going to inject my own brand into it. That's true. That's good. That's, <laughs> That's good. True. That's and good. Daddy from Mickey for a I long. know. Yeah. All right. All right. So well, Sophie's talking about Donald. Brenda's talking about Mickey. And I am talking about Minnie. So awesome. bring your A-games next week. And everyone, thank you for joining us. We had a lot of fun with this episode. And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did presenting it. And I look forward to next week. The Super oh, Six, right. Part One. That's nice. I like that a lot. So have a great week, and we will see, see you on, on the, the road. road. Bye. 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 -bye.